the recording of my conversation with Brian Yates, the general manager EMEA for Orbital Insights. Orbital Insights processes images and other data from satellites using computer vision powered by machine learning to generate insights about the world. We talk about how these insights help supply chains, sustainability efforts, fighting disease and other areas. talking to uh, Brian Aitz, the general manager and director of sales EMEA for uh, Orbital Insights. Orbital Insights uh, is the leading geospatial analytics company, uh, which is fascinating. It uses uh, images of the earth and other data from above to extract insights for businesses, economy, and the society. Brian, let's start with a few things about yourself, the company, and your role. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me today. I um, appreciate it. So, yeah, so I'm, uh, as you said, the general manager here um, based in London of our EMEA business. Just in terms of our, our footprint and, and our company, we're a Silicon Valley-based uh, AI startup. Um, you gave a good introduction in terms of what we do. We focus on geospatial analytics. As a company, we've been around five, six years. We have our global headquarters in Palo Alto, California, and then offices around the world. So our, our VC backing is, is very um, blue chip. Uh, so Sequoia, Google Ventures, places like Lux Capital and, and Bloomberg Beta have been great supporters of us and, and the vision of our company. So, and, and really what we do, as, as you said, is we take these data sources that are very difficult to work with from above. So satellite imagery, data that's transmitted via satellites for GPS on our cell phones, as well as ships, um, connected car data, other sources of information that are powered by satellites and that help us understand and monitor the planet. We harness those and, and create the technology that allows us to take those very chunky, difficult data sources and turn them into a time series or a visualization or a graph that can help uh, NGOs, commercial entities, uh, financial institutions, uh, large corporates make better decisions um, and really help them understand what's happening either in their supply chains or in, in the markets that they, that they um, inter, uh, transact in, in terms of you know, commodities and, and things of that nature. So our, our, our mission statement, as I mentioned, is helping our clients understand what's happening to and on the earth to make better decisions, social as well as commercial decisions. What type of questions uh, could it help answer? And what are some of the insights that uh, clients could expect? So I think, um, you know, obviously with, with COVID going on right now, a huge focus from our clients has been understanding how supply chains can be impacted, right? So for large CPG firms or large anyone who transacts um, in, in physical goods um, or machinery or parts related to the production of those goods, like in the energy sector, uh, there's a lot of opacity in terms of supply chains. So tier one, uh, there's a good understanding, but not a great way to monitor those suppliers um, and understand if there's disruptions or issues. So we work a lot on the supply chain front to give that visibility and to help clients understand how their supply chains may be impacted so they can make better and, and more timely um, operational decisions or, or planning decisions. Um, and the idea is we do these things at scale. 
So the ability to really track thousands and thousands of facilities um, or large swaths of land to understand what's going on there. We're also thinking, looking at things like um, in the energy sector is a place where we've, we've um, had a lot of success. So understanding what are the trends in global oil supply right now? What's going on at refineries around the world? Um, and then there's a lot of work we do at sort of the late state and local government area in the U.S. Um, to help understand impacts of social distancing, what, what's going on with people's movements, where are, what is the effect on certain transit hubs, uh, what areas are not um, abiding by those rules, what areas are doing really, really well. Bringing visibility, again, at scale um, to, to the planet and being able to do that from your desktop, from a, our SaaS platform, so the ability to do that remotely without needing boots on the ground has become a critical service for a lot of our clients. How does it work? Uh, what is the technology behind? So what we do is we take, as I said, these very um, unruly data sources. So satellite imagery, which is gigabytes of information, very difficult to, to get. As you can imagine, a, a satellite takes an image, it gets sent to a ground station somewhere um, around the world, and then you need to store that information somewhere. So very difficult to do that for a commercial entity um, to build the infrastructure to do that. Um, then also things like cell phone data, GPS data from phones where we track uh, nearly a billion phones or devices around the world and get billions of pings per day. As you can imagine, very difficult to, to manage that type of data. So we do that heavy lifting and the technology works um, and is, is possible because of the advent of GPUs and, and the cloud. So the ability to store these data sets and process them in the cloud that was kind of the aha moment for our founder, Dr. James Crawford, where he thought, okay, we can now actually have infrastructure to manage and, and store these data sets. And then the AI, which we use on imagery, which is called computer vision, um, and the data science techniques that are proprietary to us to monitor, to analyze these data sets, um, or what we do to, to kind of enable our Go platform to spit out a, a time series that says, hey, here, this is what we're seeing at a particular facility or a, or a mall or, a, or, a, or at a citywide level. So, Brian, how do companies get access uh, to the in insights and what is that they get uh, access to? Is it uh, the already generated insight or is it data they can further explore? How, how does it work? It's generally data. So we see ourselves as data creators. Um, and then you in a role like a management consultant, um, a nice way to say it would be you could be a data contextualizer for your clients, or if they have that expertise internally, they certainly can do that. So our, our, our core focus is to build a technology platform that enables clients to have access to data sources that they never had access to before, like satellite imagery or, or billions of rows of cell phone data to understand how land changes, um, to detect and, and count objects, or to understand how people move across those, the land or, or utilize those objects. So we create a data set, a time series that's easily ingested into platforms that our clients either use, or we take it further and create graphical representations and, and help them via our professional services organization to contextualize it um, even combine it in some cases with their own data sets and then produce reports that they use internally to help them understand these assets in conjunction with traditional data sources that they've always used. 
type of clients, what type of industries uh, uh, get the most benefit uh, out of the Go platform? Yeah, so we work with a um, couple of areas. So energy has been a big focus, so large, chunky assets um, dispersed around the world. Um, energy has been a, a focus for us. Financial services, certainly, you know, people not only from the investment side of the house, but also the research side. So alternative ways to get insight uh, on, on other companies that they're, they're trading or invested in. Um, then the corporate world has been, is a big world for us. So certainly on the consumer goods side, anybody who you know, manufactures goods um, is, is somebody that, that we help out a lot in terms of understanding their supply chains or, or tracing their goods all the way down to the farm level in the case of a, a CPG firm. Um, we also work with real estate firms, help them understand and make better decisions around site selection, uh, either for investments or for um, understanding where to put new uh, large facilities. Um, and then a lot of uh, NGOs and, and governments, right? As you can imagine, there's a lot of social work that we do. So we work with governments to help them understand um, patterns of life and activity monitoring um, but also on the NGO side, we work with places like the World Bank and WRI to help them with uh, deforestation uh, studies and, and, and work we've done with WRI or in the World Bank's instance, we, we help them understand poverty and, and the, where they need to apply resources based on uh, our capabilities in terms of, of monitoring those areas and understanding where resources are, are most needed. If you go and uh, check the website, there are some fantastic examples uh, of use cases and how the platform looks. Let's stay a little bit uh, with the supply chain example, right? And, and discuss uh, what type of concrete insights uh, can it generate. Uh, so some examples, such as it can, uh, you can select, for example, a location which is relevant for, for a supply chain perspective. It can be a warehouse. It can be uh, a plant. Uh, and then uh, it can uh, uh, see the difference between a truck and a car. So it uh, uh, can actually understand the volumes of freight and transportation, right? And I also mentioned uh, patterns of life, which actually suggest the activity levels uh, uh, around uh, certain locations. Those are great examples. I think there's, there's things that we, we think about as, as anomaly detection. So being able to understand anomalous events that are worth further investigation or should raise a red flag in terms of an impact it may have negatively to your supply chain. So that can take many different angles or perspectives from the angle of a, a market intelligence or trading firm at, in the energy markets, for instance, we track refineries um, around the world for them to understand if maintenance events are as reported. Are they ending on time? Are they, are they, are they starting on time? So there's large impacts to the supply of, of oil um, when you're monitoring a refinery and understanding worker activity. So we're able to use our data science algorithms to differentiate between um, workers that are there generally and workers that are now new to the site, which may be a flag for something going on there related to maintenance. So that can be applied then to any sort of asset or manufacturing facility um, in any industry, right? So that ability is, is, is something we focus on a lot in terms of supply chain anomaly and flagging those things for the various industries or different teams, so procurement teams as well as trading teams. And then I think a big supply chain focus, which we're very proud of, um, is, is our work in, in supply chain traceability. 
and, and sustainable sourcing. So the ability to not only track and understand our own suppliers um, or our, comp- our client suppliers, but to help them map their supply chains and create sort of a living, breathing supply chain map for them. So there's a lot of um, opacity in terms of, okay, well, who are my suppliers' suppliers? I understand who my suppliers are in that space. So Cargill, Bungie, et cetera, where I buy the palm oil. But as we all know, there's a large focus on sustainable sourcing um, and the ability for clients to fulfill their commitments to ensuring they have a hundred percent traceability and visibility into their supply chains all the way down to farm levels. So palm is a big focus for us. Soy. So understanding not where it's these, these clients like the Nestle's and the Unilever's of the world, they understand who they buy from, um, but they don't understand who their suppliers are buying from. And that's a huge issue for them and a huge issue for the world in terms of trying to alleviate some of the, some of the issues we face with uh, deforestation and, and uh, things of that nature. So, but then you can go certainly further um, downstream. And once that's those goods leave, then you can start to understand at the port level, what's going on, how long, especially now with COVID, it's a big focus with our, our consumer goods clients as to how long are, what are the delays we're seeing at ports? How long are those goods, the raw materials going to take to get into our factories or our suppliers factories so that they're then able to be manufactured and kind of passed along the chain. Finally, given uh, what's happening uh, today uh, with the uh, coronavirus uh, crisis, I know you guys uh, looked uh, from above and uh, uncovered a lot of insight. Any interesting insight related to the uh, coronavirus and how it changes uh, behavior all over the world? Yeah, I think it's um, the oil one is great. We definitely see a lot of clients stockpiling and in storage levels at an all-time high. What was interesting, we were, we were talking to a commodity desk yesterday and, and going through a demo of the tools. What, what was quite interesting as well is that we're, we're not near, from our perspective, it doesn't look like we're near to capacity though. So there seems to be a lot more storage available, which is contrary to a lot of reports. So we're seeing storage at record highs, but definitely seeing still seeing excess capacity in places like the US um, and OPEC. So there definitely are, there's still capacity out there and, and we'll see storage builds continue, we believe. Um, but in terms of other things, things, uh, an interesting insight, um, we saw a lot of, um, we, we, we've worked a lot and, and looked at Tesla. That's been a big, um, Elon Musk had some strong words at the beginning of this, this crisis as to, to, you know, his perspective on it and what we should be doing. And, and what we saw at their factories were that they seemed to ramp up a lot of overtime before the shutdown to try and get um, stuff built. And we even saw, you know, uh, still work going on at their factories a little bit post the shutdown. So that, that I thought was kind of, you know, anecdotal and, and kind of interesting. Um, we also see things that you would expect, like at the 3M plants in the U.S., you know, massive overtime shifts and a lot of people working a lot more, obviously, to try and satisfy the demand there. Um, and then in terms of like recovery stories, I think we've seen, you know, magnitudes of hundreds of percent of more cars on the road in places like Beijing, which is really encouraging um, to see. So, 
you know, we're hoping that as things start to recover, we're able to use our capabilities to, to help show that, you know, pe- things are getting a little bit back to normal. Um, but more importantly, help our clients understand where things are, are able to come a bit back to normal so that they can focus their efforts there and, and potentially, you know, utilize their facilities or distribution hubs in those areas um, more efficiently to help them respond and, and, and get the goods that people are needing during this time. This is great. Uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Um, and uh, yeah, all the best to you. 